there's going to be a test over that timeline later, so I hope you took notes. <laughs> so as you probably know, the NBA Finals are going on. And as you probably also know, uh, after the Lakers lost, which they tend to do, um, LeBron said he might retire, which I'm positive is something he's actually considering and not just trying to take headlines. But besides the point, uh, when he said that, like a bunch of stories came out about him and videos and all these things and, and little mini documentaries. And I was watching one of them uh, somehow and I was watching it and it comes out that the reason he went straight from high school to college isn't what everybody thought. Like we all assume money or because Cleveland had the first pick. Uh, it turns out he just skipped college because he's not very good at finals. There we go. Okay. Thanks. That's right. Uh, I'm a little proud of that and also a little not proud of that, so it mixes together. Um, we are starting a new series today uh, called Amazing Acts. And as you saw from the video and as you can see from, from this, it's about not just the book of Acts, not just the disciples, but the new church and how that comes into us. We are the church. We are the disciples. And so as we go through this series, we're going to talk about all kinds of things that the disciples did and, and others did to start the new church. But all of this, again, comes towards us because we are that now. We are the church. This is us. Like I said last week, like this is who we are. And so I want to start with Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So I wanted to start there because you can picture all of this happening. This person, and you find out a little later that he was over 40, so he had been begging for a long time. It was his only source, and it was all he could do, and they would carry him there in front of this beautiful gate, and it's called that because it was like 75 feet tall, and it was fine Corinthian brass, and it was just beautiful, so that's, you know, it works out. And so he's there, and you think about how many people probably walked by him over the years. How many people maybe dropped a coin or, or, or just ignored him completely? And here you have Peter and John walking in. Now, they're going to service still. They've started a church, so this is a little different, but they're going to the prayer hour, not the sacrifice hour, because Jesus was their sacrifice, and they knew that. And they were living that out, and they were preaching that out. But they were going to the prayer to, to pray to God, to give just everything they had to him. And so they're walking by, and before they even see him, they know that he's there. Because again, this wasn't their first time going in either, I'm sure. Uh, but this is a big moment for them. They had just had this amazing experience that we talked about last week with the Holy Spirit coming down and filling them. A and Peter preached for hours. How would you like that? He preached for hours. No reaction, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> and so, he, but he preached for hours and it was just, it wasn't like, all planned, and it wasn't uh, anything that people had to sit there for. It was entirely him just pouring out the spirit that he just received on everyone else, and it was so amazing. And so him and John are, are feeling all kinds of things. They probably still miss Jesus a lot, because not only was he their savior, and, and even though they know that he's gone to prepare a place for them, he was still their friend too. And so walking with him had to be so special. 
But they were also so excited because in one day, as the church, they had quadrupled, or more than that, like gone up to like 3,000 people. They had magnified exponentially the church. And so they had to be so excited and like, man, this is so awesome. And so they're going to prayer service. And I said, we find out who they are. Because if you remember, while they were with Jesus, he told a story of the Good Samaritan. And so you have this guy who's just beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road. And a priest walks by him. He's in a hurry to get to church. And he just ignores him. A temple assistant goes to the other side of the road from him. And so Peter and John knew this. They knew that people go ignored. They knew that people get in a rush. They knew that, that, that all of this stuff. And so it's, who are they? Are they the people who just toss him a dollar and go on? Do they stop and give him advice or, or hand him a job application or something and go on? Do they offer him food? And listen, I'm not saying those things are bad. But what I'm saying is so often we make our decisions ahead of time for any possible thing or person we'll run into. Ahead of time, we make this decision. It's, this is my policy going forward. I can't afford to, to give anything, so I'm just going to look the other way. I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to make a call real quick. I remember one time, this is not related to uh, giving, but it was one of my first trips in Chicago, and I was with a couple of my friends, and we went into this restaurant, which looked fancy, but we're like, ah, it's attached to a hotel. How bad could that be? And so we went in, and we get the menus, and, you know, we just ordered water. We get the menus, and there's no prices on them. And we quickly realized this is a bad idea. And so uh, it was me, Blake, and Tim. And you don't care about the names, but so me and Blake are walking out, and Tim decided to, like, pull out his phone and act like he was making an important call. And while he's walking out past the maitre d', his phone rings, and so it was just kind of funny. But... But so we got out of there and went to like a pizza place. But so often we make these decisions ahead of time. Or we make decisions about people ahead of time. Like if I give them something, they're just going to do this with it. Or, well, they should have more jobs. Or they should do this. Or they should have done this. When I was young, I struggled. And so they should have to struggle. I hear that way more than I would like to hear that from people in the world. And all of these things we've decided... And sometimes it's even, I don't have anything to offer to help. I don't have anything that, that I can help with. And so I want to go to Mr. Rogers. In times of stress, the best things we can do for each other is to listen with our ears and our hearts and to be assured that our questions are just as important as our answers. Jim talked about volunteers and people that have signed up to help and to serve, and that's awesome. But so often with some of the, the things in the church that we think about volunteering for, it's like, well, I can't do that. I don't have all the answers. Like, what if they ask me questions? And, and again, I'm going to spoiler alert you, nobody has all the answers. None of us. And so the more important thing when you're serving is to make sure you're working on your relationship with him. Make sure that you're doing everything you can to grow. And then to listen. And to ask questions and to care. And to listen, not just with your ears, as Mr. Rogers said, but with your hearts. Because often, in our society, in our world, we listen just to respond. And we're just kind of listening. I saw a lot of wives nodding their head. But, but we just kind of listen. And so we listen to respond. But 
He is saying, and Jesus says to us, listen with your hearts too, which means when you ask somebody a question, actually listen with your hearts what they're saying. When you see someone in need, when you hear about someone in need, actually listen to what that prayer request is or, or what is needed. Actually care about all of this stuff. So many people in the world go ignored. So many people feel unseen. So many people are unseen. Now, I would imagine that a lot of us have felt that way at one point or another. I know that I have, and a lot of that's on me, but it's still, we feel that way. But there are so many people in the world who are just waiting to be heard for a moment. In that bumper that we saw, one of the things said that there are five billion people who haven't met Jesus yet, who haven't found Jesus yet. So many people are waiting for that first example, that, that, that first ounce of Jesus' love that they see. Now, they may know he exists. We know he exists. And they may hear the sermons, and, and they may read in the Bible, but they want to see it. And so Peter and John are hearing all of this, because there's not just the church right now. They are starting it. They are trying to bring Jesus to everyone. And so it's so hard sometimes. Because it feels like the more good we do, the worse the world overall gets. And I get that feeling. But we still are here to do good, to be like him, to show him. Now, as far as the, the, the beggar and as far as how we deal with people in need like that, obviously, shelter and money and food are important and vital things. And sometimes we can help with that. Sometimes we can point people to something like Family Promise, which is a wonderful ministry, which is this week, actually, right? Good. This week, actually. And that's actually something, not our church, I believe it's four times. And if I get any of this wrong, Kim's going to come up and hit me, so i got to be right. But I believe it's four times a year here. But it's 52 times a year everywhere. And it's designed to help people. And so sometimes we can point people to that and say, hey, you know, I, I can't really offer anything, but I know this ministry. Or, or I know this. Uh, and so sometimes, sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we truly can't help in any physical way. Maybe we don't have any money, or we really are, are actually running out of time for something, like we have an appointment, or uh, traffic is horrible, which happens in Cincinnati all the time, especially with Tylersville now. But sometimes, we honestly don't know what we can offer. But listening, and caring, and showing who Jesus is, is always something. And as I said, there are needs that maybe we can't meet, but we can still be part of the help. We can be part of the solution. We can be the church. Um, there are always people, I go to, I have season tickets for uh, Broadway in Cincinnati down at Aronoff. And there are always uh, organizations kind of standing there on one of the corners asking for money around playtime. And playtime being for the musicals, not like going to the park. But, but not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, I remember just a few weeks ago, I believe it was for um, Hadestown. And because so, you guys all care what musicals I see. But uh, there was a big group, and it was for Doctors Without Borders. And obviously, we've heard of that organization. Now, 
I don't carry cash ever, uh, and that's not just because I don't have cash, but it's because I don't really carry it and I have my wallet and all that. And I'm also hesitant when somebody holds an iPad in front of me with like one of those little money things and I don't know them to just like stick my, my card in there. But obviously I knew the organization and so what I did was, hey, is there a site that I can check out? And then I gave them a chance to tell their story. Why are they involved? Now, I shared last week about how awful I am at talking and how awkward I am. And you guys can probably see glimpses of that a lot of the time. And so I feel that anxiety, but I'm trusting him that if I just listen, if I just care, if I show that they're a person, then maybe something will be done. So they shared about the ministry and they shared about what that means to them and why they were involved. And one of them, their lives had been touched by a doctor who came over to their country and so it was very important to them. Now, again, I'm not great at that. But I'm also not special. And by that I mean, I'm not sharing this so you can be like, oh, I want to go be like Jeff because don't be like Jeff. But because... All we can do is trust in him and then show him in the way that we talk, in the way that we act, in the way that we listen. Show him to each and every person. Uh, I want to go to verse 4 to see Peter and John's reaction. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So Peter and John make eye contact. Now, if you've ever been to uh, Walmart or Target when there are like Duke Energy people there, you know that once you make eye contact, you're locked in. And so I remember a quick story way back. Um, there's a mall near Olivet Nazarene University near Chicago. And I was walking through with some people, and I made eye contact with this guy in front of one of the massage parlor things. And he started massaging my face. And those people that I was with still make fun of me for that. And so, again, I get the risks. But Peter and John make eye contact because they see him. And often, even if we're trying to help, we kind of don't see them. It's like, here you go. Or, hey, let me tell you about my church. You know, it's over there and it's kind of cool. There's a guy that wears kind of funny t-shirts and has spiky hair. He still has his hair, though, so that's good. And so... We just kind of look off, or we look at our watch, or we look at our phone. But Peter and John see him. They see him. Now, when they say we don't have money, they literally have no money. They had spent their entire lives, uh, the most important part of their lives, walking with Jesus. And that wasn't a profit organization. And so they had no money, but they looked at him. And instead of just walking on, or instead of just tossing a Bible at him, they said, let me help you in a way that only Jesus can help you. And it's such an amazing miracle. It's so like Jesus. You can imagine Jesus doing this because he did this. And so Peter and John 
are being the church by being like Jesus. And so they heal him. And it's so awesome. And it's not just the words. And it's not just the healing. But Peter then reaches out his hand and helps him to his feet. He helps him in every possible way. And he helps him into a new life, into a new identity, into a new world. And here are some important things for that. He didn't go and call a big crowd first and say, hey, watch, look what me and John are going to do. And he didn't plan it out ahead of time. He wasn't like, you know what, I hope that I run into somebody. There's that guy by the the gate, let's go find him and we're really going to make a show of this. He wasn't seeking to do it, but he saw the opportunity. They saw the opportunity, and they listened with their hearts. They listened with their ears, and they cared, and they showed their faith. They showed who they are. They showed who Jesus is, and they lived that out. And because of that, not just because of the healing, although obviously that made a huge difference, But because of the way they saw him and they treated him and they loved him, he immediately started praising God. He immediately started praising God. Now, Peter and John could, before they had done that, have preached to him. Like, you know what? We want to help you, but first, let us run through our doctrine. And let me explain to you all of this. And then we'll talk about baptism. And then we'll talk about membership. And then we'll talk about you changing. And then I'll help you. They could have done that. They could. They could have waited until a big crowd arrived. They could have picked him up and carried him into the synagogue. And they're like, hey guys, watch this. They could have made a huge show of it. They could have done it for all the wrong reasons. But what they did was set an example. They showed who they are. They showed who they serve. Now, this man still had struggles. He still needed so much in life. And there were so many things that they couldn't necessarily help. But they filled his heart and they helped him set on the path. They saw him. They cared about him. They showed that he exists, and they showed that Jesus is real for everybody. For everybody. And it's so amazing, and I know that when we read it, and I know when I talk about it, we focus on the miracle. And that's obviously huge. Especially for somebody not Jesus doing that. But it is the way that they did it that shows Jesus standing there with them that they loved, and they served, and they were just like him. I have another quote. Now, if you can read who that's from, so here's the deal with that. (laughs) I have long, so basically when I prepare, uh, I know essentially what I kind of want to say. And then I seek out quotes that kind of go along with what God is telling me to say. It's not like I just go and find three random quotes and I'm like, oh, here's a message. I could try that sometime. We'll see how that goes. Um, But I had this quote in my head for a long time. And I searched and I searched and I checked everywhere. And I apparently, as I looked through notes and stuff, I have apparently said that at some point 
and just assumed that I got it from somebody else. So, I mean, if you said this to me, you could take credit, because I honestly don't know anymore. Because I say a lot of stuff. But, before I read that quote, and I know some of you probably already have, there is a saying that most of us, I think everybody probably knows, it's that we all carry around full cups. And that the goal is to fill other people's cups, to empty our cup out into other people. Now, the goal, though, is not to do that. It is to empty your cup, it's not to empty your cup into someone else's. Because everyone has different levels, different capacities. Some people have like a sippy cup, and some people have a giant mug with Spider-Man on it, and some people have just a fancy, like, really cool glass cup. The goal is to pour from your cup with the desire to fill theirs, not to empty your own because it's not about us. Ministry, service is not about us. It's not about making sure people see us doing it. It's not about people knowing that we were the ones that served, that we were the ones that acted, that we were the ones that gave. It is about giving. It is about serving. It is about acting. And it is about filling their cup. And if you think about it, Jesus exhibited this perfectly because imagine, imagine if Jesus had emptied his entire cup in every single person. His cup's huge. He knows literally everything. He is perfect. But what he did is he listened for the needs and he saw what each person needed and he helped them. He didn't change the truth and he didn't change who he was and he didn't change his love or the message, but he helped each individual person as if they were the only person in the world. And then he died for each individual person as if they were the only person in the world. And then he rose again for each individual person as if they were the only person in the world. And that's what we have to do. Not to empty our cups, not to be right, not to do all of these things where people are like, this is who helped me. Great. But to do it in Jesus' name, to show who he is, to show what he's done for us. And so we listen and we learn about their cup, and we seek to help fill it. Going to verse 9. All the people saw them walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the same lame beggar, or the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's uh, colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So the man was a witness already. Just by existing, just by being helped, just by being changed, just by feeling Jesus, he was a witness because of his story. And now the miracle became an opportunity. It wasn't done to be an opportunity. It was done in love. It was done to heal. It was done to help. And now it became an opportunity. And so Peter taught. And if you read through everything that he said, he doesn't say, look what we did. He doesn't say, this is what our church can offer, he said, this is Jesus. This is what it means to live for Jesus. This is what God can do for you. This is what Jesus' death means for you. This is what his resurrection means for you. This is what salvation is. And he taught about it. And he showed people who he serves. And two things happened, even more so from this moment. Number one, a lot of people learned about who Jesus truly is. 
And they saw his power, and they saw his love, and they saw his glory, and they saw his grace, and they saw all of that in this one moment. And number two, Peter and John brought a lot of persecution upon themselves. Because now, this was legit. Before, it's not like there was no persecution, but, but a lot of people were probably like, God, Jesus is gone, let's see what these revolutionaries are going to do. But now they're like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be like Jesus. And so, man, as you read through Acts, you're going to see lots and lots of people that are against what's going on. And Peter and John thrown in jail often. Each of the disciples murdered except for John for their faith. And so a lot of this happened because they openly did good, because they openly showed who Jesus is. Doing good always makes a difference. Being like Jesus always makes a difference. It's always the right thing to do. And it always multiplies and it always helps people and it always empowers people. And it's always worth it. But it also always comes with a cost. But it is a cost that Jesus paid for us. And it is a cost that Jesus helps us even now pay. I have a final quote. This is from C.S. Lewis. Good and evil increase at compound interest. That's why the little decisions we make every day are of infinite importance. Both good and evil increase with every action. When we do good, it increases the good. When we do bad, it increases the bad. When we see good, we feel good. And we show good. When we see evil, sometimes we return that with hate, with anger, with the same. So, good and bad will always exist in this world. Good will always stand in the face of evil. That's always going to happen. Evil will also always exist in this world because it's imperfect and it's fallen. But here's the thing, and this is why we get up in the mornings. Good is always stronger. Jesus can always stand against anything. And even if evil is shown to us by us showing Jesus... That's always going to compound interest. I didn't say that right. That's always going to expand even more. That's always going to make more of a difference. It may be hard. And we may lose people. And we may lose jobs. And we may feel lost sometimes. But when we live our lives listening like Jesus listened, caring like Jesus cared, loving like Jesus loved, no matter what happens to us, that is always worth it. And that is what Jesus did. Think about everything that was shown to him just for loving. Even while he's dying for people, there are people mocking him. That's what the disciples did. All they did was try to show Jesus and then talk about what he'd done to their lives. And they all died. That's what the church did. That's what the church does. That's what we have to do is to look at the world 
and think, do we want to be on the good side or the bad side? How can we make a difference? How can we listen? How can we care? How can we love more? Because what we do matters. What we say matters. What we post matters. We are the church. The capital C church. The same church that Peter and John are. The same church that Jesus is. We are that church. And so many people have this skewed idea of what the church is. And we can blame the media and we can blame a lot of things. But a lot of times the culprit is the church itself. We can be better. We can learn from these people. We can learn from God. Our example is so important. We are disciples. We are the church. So let's be it. That's all I got.